What's hot, everyone? Welcome to the What's Hot Podcast. My goal is to give young adults something real to listen to by being hot, honest, open, and transparent. Each week, I will have a new guest appear on the show as we discuss our thoughts on a variety of topics centered around the livelihoods of young adults and life in general. It is my hope that this podcast can give you some helpful advice and encouragement as we try to navigate through this very confusing and ever-changing part of our young lives. So, without further ado, here's what's hot. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by my home pastor, Pastor PJ, and my youth pastor, Pastor Justin. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Hi, great to be here. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. So this will be the first episode of our five-episode series talking about dating in today's culture with a biblical worldview. We'll We'll dive deep into the world of dating today and what it looks like for young adults navigating through this difficult part of our lives. So um, to jump right into it, does the Bible have any specific traits it says that we should look for when it comes to dating? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't, from my experience, I, I, I literally, when I was in college, wrote a song called I Wonder If Jesus Ever Dated. Because I was like, man, it'd be so much easier. Everything we do in life, we're like, all right, what would Jesus do, right? Like, what does it look like? What was the second verse, no? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it's so hard because it, we don't have the young adult years of Jesus. We don't have even the teenage years. And so um, I think it is a difficult topic because we're so used to being able to answer things with Scripture and say, well, here's where Jesus did this. And here's where Jesus, and this isn't something that we have the example of Christ to look at in terms of dating or in terms of um, personality traits or whatever that you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bible lays out different... Christ-like characteristics in young men and young women, right? I mean, I just turned to Proverbs 31. There's a Proverbs 31 woman. There's, I mean, um, we were just reading in our year in the Bible that we're almost over with. Was it first or second Peter? It was like the characteristics of a young man. Mm -hmm. Young men strive after this. The older men, the elders or whatever, tell them. Titus chapter 2 describes a similar thing. Yeah, like instruct them. And so I don't think there's any specific part of the Bible that's like, this is what biblical dating should look like. Boom. Um, but there are lots of different areas where I think God's word is more concerned of this is how to be a man of God. This is how to be a woman of God. And this should, in this should inform what you are striving for in a dating relationship. So I guess the short answer I, I, I think is no, unless there's some hidden part of the Bible that I'm not recalling <laughs> at the moment. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of, um, it goes along with it, but it's also the opposite of that question. Is there anything that should automatically be a red flag when we're looking for a potential person to date? Is there anything that the Bible says absolutely cannot have X trait or personality type? I think if your goal of dating is to eventually find a spouse, which I think it should be, um, or to at least specifically as a young adult. Yeah. Like I remember hitting college and you start dating people and you're like, this could be it. Right. In high school, you're like, man, we're just dating. Right. You would right. dream about, oh no, we might get married. And then you realize life is really hard. But then in college, you're like, 
Alright, I'm starting to do this life thing, so yeah, there's a chance that whoever I date next could be it. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, so in regards to dating, no, in regards to marriage, yes. I mean, there's, you, we just talked before this started about, about the passage about being unequally yoked. I mean, are you on the same page spiritually with one another? Are you, are you both committed followers of Christ, first and foremost? But with that, I mean, are you moving in the same direction spiritually? Do you know where your husband is at? Do you know where your wife is at in their walk with Christ? Are you, you are you trying to at least you know, meet and pray with each other and, and worship together and commit to the same church and all that. I mean, so if you're, I would say a red flag would be if you go on a date with someone and you start sharing about your beliefs and your, your, your foundation in Christ. And, and they're like, yeah, I don't have that. You're like, okay, that should be a red flag. I mean, well, and I think there's some things to me that you can make exception of, right? Like when I was in high school, I made a list of here's what I want my wife to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, my wife does not meet all of those. But if I would have started and said, well, she's not a Christian, but maybe eventually, I feel like there's a lot of missionary dating that happens. Yeah. Like, nah, they're just a really good person. So there's a chance, like, uh, that's not a good start. Like, I wouldn't even call it a red flag. It's just a, like, that's just not the same playing field. The other part to that, though, is you'll potentially find somebody you want to date, and they'll be like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in religion, because they also find you attractive, and they also want you to say, like, yeah, let's start dating. And it's like, well, what do you mean by interested? Like PJ was saying, like, if I talk about Jesus, do you believe in Jesus? They're like, well, and I know he existed. You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of, so I I similarly, I don't think there's a, but I, I want it on my list, like, my spouse to be musical. My wife is not super musical. Like she would love to play drums with headphones that are electronic, but I that's not a make or break for me. I mean, we're happily married even though she's not musical. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so <laughs> a red a red flag, I mean, I mean even that is it Ephesians 4 with submit submit to one of those passages. Um to me, I mean like to to me that's a, a passage that has its own different interpretations on wives submitting to husbands and all that. To me, it's about husband and wife mutually submitting to God and that being the primary. So if you're dating someone who is not even considering what it means to submit to God and that's not what their life is about, then to me that is a scriptural red flag. And I mean, it's not like you don't give them, it's not like you not give them the time of day then, but if, again, if your goal of dating is to eventually find a spouse, those, there are certainly scriptural red flags that are like, oh, maybe we should pump the brakes on this relationship, you know, um, that this isn't going to, if we do get married, this won't be an equally yoked thing. This won't be a good thing. Um, there's so many, happens probably more to wives than husbands, but so many people in the church are just going to church without their spouses. They're not divorced or anything. They just, one of them goes to church and the other doesn't. And that's, I don't think at all what God wants. I mean, of course they want, I think God, the God would want couples and families to be together worshiping in the same spot and being in that same place spiritually. So, um, I'm trying to think if there's any more, but. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think that's a big one. Um, just being unequally yoked and like our, the end goal of dating should be marriage. And so if that's truly your end goal, why would you kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say waste your time, but maybe, like, why would you spend your time at least um, with someone who you don't think you would 
be able to marry like isn't like that's kind of the goal of dating anyways so yeah, i mean and certainly people can grow people can grow spiritually and emotionally and relationally i mean i'm a way different person now than i was when Lindsay and i started dating when we were in college but um so yeah you don't bail on someone just because they're not what you envision as the perfect spouse now but if that if that commitment to christ isn't there that to me is like justin said there is a lot of people who like someone because they're kind and funny and attractive or whatever but then they find out later that they don't have that that essential christ element and then it's like well how do we kind of how do we kind of bring that into the picture how do we kind of make that happen and it's very rare that it will in a legitimate way yeah it's kind of difficult because if you think about it like you don't want to change them like that's kind of like you know god's job is to kind of transform their heart so like if you like a lot of characteristics and qualities about that person like it kind of stinks that they don't have a relationship with christ and that's not saying that they won't get one but it also isn't really our job to change that as well in, in my opinion yeah well so many of what our our dreams and hopes and things in our future come from our, our relationship to god right like I, I've talked with many student, past students about, like, how do you determine moral right and moral wrong? Well, as a Christian, I use scripture. So if I'm not a Christian, what am I using to determine right and wrong? So now I'm in this relationship with this girl who doesn't have the same right and wrong as me, you know? So she says, this is okay. And I'm like, no, it's not. And she's like, why? And I'm like, well, it says here in the Bible. And she's like, okay, I don't believe in that. So it's not wrong for me, you know? So it just makes the relationship, there's no foundation like no shared experience or shared understanding of who God is or where the morals in our relationship or our future are going to come from. So that's, that'd be really difficult to have that discussion too late in the game. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of makes dating so hard is like the Bible doesn't really give like a set like rules, like, okay, this is like how you do it. This is, you know, the kind of like procedures, I guess you could <laughs> say, or like, here's the boundaries, like, um, the Bible kind of leaves it somewhat up to interpretation in our own kind of personal convictions for what that looks like. And I think that makes it extremely difficult when you're trying to like navigate that. Um, yeah, so I guess with that, we'll move on to the next question. So statistics say that marriage rates are um, at an all time low, that um, nearly 50% of marriages are failing. And that the age of like people getting married is at an all-time high so i guess with that like in your own opinion what are some of the biggest misconceptions that christians have about dating today um how does that factor in dating or marriage either or i mean i think it somewhat affects each other i grew up and when i started dating generally speaking, thought that like marriage would lead to bliss, you know, I mean, let's be honest. When you hit your teenage years and your young adult years, everybody and their brother is either talking about or participating in, in sexual activities. And you're like, I know that's something that God created that's good. But my personality is one such that as soon as I do something wrong, I'm a horrible person. So then I'm like, all right, well, if I get married to the person I'm supposed to be with for the rest of my life, it's going to be awesome. You know, and then that'll solve any frustrations I've ever had. And then you get married and it's like, 
this is really tough. Like sharing life with someone day in and day out that is not me and doesn't think the exact same way I do, no matter how much I love her, is not like I wake up every morning in bliss like I anticipated. So I feel like that's one thing when I talk to couples that are thinking about getting married is like, or, or even seriously dating and counseling, it's like you have to understand that marriage is not easy. And it doesn't, it doesn't solve all your problems either. You know, you, you find this person that you're like, man, they complete me. It's like, no, that's really kind of bogus. Like, that's why Christ is important. Because if I can't be complete in him, there's not a human being that's ever going to do that. But we have this feeling in our minds that like when I get married to this person that I, and you truly do love them, like and maybe they're even a good Christian, that doesn't solve the holes that you've had growing up or the holes that you like the value system the like self-worth the the physical desire for affection like getting married doesn't solve any of those things and i think there's this con conception that like well if i just meet my soulmate we get married even as both christians it'll be so much better and it is good and it is of god but it does not solve all of the tensions or frustrations we have going through that dating process right like man if i just find that person i just get married to that whatever like it it's amazing and it is 100% of God, but I feel like there's this romanticism about it that is just not fair. So that when you get married, sometimes many couples just are like disappointed. They're like, oh, thought there'd be more to it, <laughs> you know? And, and there's just, I, I, that sounds like a total downer, but I feel like we have this mis this overly romanticized view and that's why so many marriages end. Um, one of the things my wife and I talk about a lot is friends that we have that their kids grow up or people that co-workers and they, as soon as your kids move out of the house they no longer have anything in common as well because they've just focused on their kids and so there's a lot of divorces that happen because you stopped working you stopped dating like you get married and you keep dating you have to I have to continue to figure out man what makes my wife tick and what would she really appreciate and how can I show my kids that and um, but a lot of times people just get into marriage and then they coast and they're like all right I reached the pinnacle and yay yeah yeah like what justin said <coughs> i we both use when when i do premarital counseling before somebody gets married the system it, it's kind of like people will take a, a survey and we go through it and it's really cool and it's based on this book called saving your marriage before it starts it's a pretty well-known well-used premarital counseling book and their big thing is this person you're marrying is not there to fix you or complete you that no person outside of Jesus Christ will ever fulfill who you are or what you want to be or, or and to put that on your spouse or put that on somebody you're dating is just not fair that if oh, I'm, I'm dating this girl I'm dating this guy and it's like they're not meeting all of my needs then that's ridiculous to try to put that on somebody who isn't the Lord I mean and that puts them on a pedestal that is near idolatry if we're doing that. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, there, and like to piggyback off what Justin said even more, I mean, marriage is hard. Dating is hard. And if you love someone and you want it to make it work, it's going to be hard. And you're going to fight sometimes and, and you're going to have to have disagreements. You're going to have to grow together. That growth process. I mean, the Bible talks about it either being a refining process or iron sharpening iron. It's, it's never like a comfortable process. <laughs> it's always something that's going to take some. Pillow. Yeah, <laughs> there's always some abrasion there. There's always some hard work and some <clears throat> and some tension there. And if you want, as in a dating relationship, to make it work, like don't just bail on the person after the first minor fight or minor annoyance. Or I mean, 
I think a lot of a lot of times a, a, a difference between dating in like high school and dating as a young adult in college or beyond, it's like learning how to be mature with the person you're dating and being honest and open enough to to be just to communicate honestly with them about yourself and about where they're at and to not just welcome in all the immature drama and baloney that people fall into. You well, know, I, I think that, yeah, I think that may be why the age is going up, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's taking yeah. people longer to get to that maturity level. It's taking people longer to understand that part. And it's also why the marriage rate is going down because a lot of people are playing house, right? They're like, they don't need to get married. Let's just yeah. live together. And then that falls apart, and that may be part of their maturity process of like, oh, I can't. I've learned that I can't bank on the person to complete everything that I need. Like that's a that's a God thing. And then once they hit that, they're like, all right, maybe now, 26, 27, 28, I may feel more prepared for marriage now that I've been through some of those unfortunate failures or whatever. But like, I I've seen that, and I'm like, man, I I totally get why people are waiting. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's. I don't think I'm better or my marriage is better because I got married when I was 23. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think there is some kind of cultural like eyebrow raising going on where like it, I don't know what the average is. It's the late twenties, early thirties, whatever it is. I mean, there is something to that, that like you, Justin talks about like delayed adolescence. I mean, this people living at home a lot longer, people like delaying that adulthood, talking about this like fear of adulting and like taking responsibility for your life. I mean, being an adult is amazing. Being married is amazing. There's all these like uh, gifts that God has given us. Of course there's struggles, but I'd rather be 36 than 16. Like well, but, <laughs> you couldn't I, pay me to go back. For sure, there. for sure. And I would rather see young adults wait and not yeah. succumb to the pressure. You know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of them are like, as soon as now, so if you wait to move out, right, it's, it's COVID, everything, right? People are living at home. Honestly, you could be on your parents' insurance, I think, until like you're 26 or something, right? So you move out at 26. A lot of people in our generation and before are married at 23, 24. So now you're like, crap, should I be married? Like, no, like I would rather see people wait. The hardest part, and this may be a total guess here, I think some people either enter, it's Christians, enter into marriage too quickly because they don't know if they can withhold themselves morally you know what I, mean? I could be totally yeah. wrong but i feel like some may be like no we need to get married because i really do love you more than i've loved anybody else we could probably make this work you know and we get to have sex so like let's get married and then they get married and they're like all right we've had sex this is really hard to do with all the rest of this life stuff you know i don't know you've opened up a different chapter of conversation <laughs> you're welcome i'm hoping he asks about it but it's because uh, it's important too i mean honestly the sex part of it that sexual desire part of it and people's perceptions or expectations or whatever that is huge in both dating and of course marriage but i don't want to open that if you're not willing to go there well i was gonna kind of <laughs> dance around it but you um, can't dance around that you're talking to young adults you got a what's hot well, open and transparent well thing. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't really gonna dance around it i just wasn't really gonna go there but um i stopped <laughs> since you guys bring it up um like, I guess we'll kind of start out with this and we can go deeper um, after this question. What are your opinions on about, about online dating? Um, would you guys use it if you were if it was available to you at the time when you were um, in the dating phase, I guess? Um, and, you know, what are the pros, cons and dangers of it? 
You mean like using a dating app to find yeah to find someone and then go on a date with yeah. Um, it's a lot of it's contextual. Um, like once you, first of all, once you get out of college, and you don't have a girlfriend or boyfriend that you're serious with or whatever, it's very hard to find someone because you're going to move back probably to your hometown or if you start a job somewhere, you don't know anybody. So how do you get to meet Christian people who are your age? I mean, maybe through church, if you have a really big church. Um, so I, I don't think there's anything bad or wrong or, or immoral about using a dating site. I think it's, it's part, it's a tool that people can use. Um, I, I know my sister met her husband using a, one of the Christian dating apps. I don't know which one it was. Christian farmers only. <laughs> People listening to this are going to oh, think I'm a sorry. farmer. Sorry, no. <laughs> You're way more of a farmer than I am. Um, one of them. Anyway, then, then she's married and they've been married 10 years and have two kids and they're doing great. And they have their family's committed to Christ and it's really great. Um, we last wedding I did was the, the couple that met online. Thanks to you. Yep, that was me. And yeah. so, I mean, and so you've, you've even personally seen like that there's good things that come that can come out of it. I think just like dating without online, I mean, there's cons because sometimes you go out with someone and they're just, it's just not a good experience. I mean, you can meet somebody on there There's, and it just, maybe they're disingenuous with who they're representing themselves as and that's not good. But I don't know. Um, I think when your options get really limited when after you leave college, especially if you're going to a Christian school, of if you want to find a Christian girl or guy to date, what do you even do? So I think if you're looking for a certain if a certain person to date, I mean you can even check off the list right there. If you're not a Christ follower, I'm not gonna like swipe right or swipe left or whatever the one is that you said that you're supposed to do. <laughs> is that is that a thing that yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm an eight hundred year old man if you are <laughs> You to can't this. see me. <laughs> yeah, but I think too you, the contextual thing was a big deal. I think because you asked initially, like if when you, if you were still dating, like if you were back when you were dating, would you use one? When we were dating, I probably wouldn't because they weren't very good and they were all creepy, right? Like because online was barely a thing, yeah. and so I feel like if we were, it was more like the Craigslist dating, which was really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so no, and in my context in college, I literally I got Facebook when it started because I had a college address. Like that's how old I am. And so, like, it, online dating wasn't what it is now, but now you do, you literally do have super specific, like, if you're a gamer, a Christian gamer, there's probably a Christian gamer dating website or something. So I don't think they're wrong, because I was talking to someone the other day, I'm like, honestly, I wouldn't, specifically for our town, like, right, we have a small town context. I don't know how you meet people, like, yeah. outside of church, it's like, well, do you want to go to the bar? Well, I'm probably not going to find some really like up my alley type people at any local bar. I mean, what is it? Anderson's Tavern down here? A lot of young adult ladies <laughs> over there, you know? No. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's probably 60 year old dudes. Probably. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't see any, I don't have any like flags about using them. Now, if you're a person though, cause I have seen uh, Snapchat really fills me in on the world. But when you're watching videos of guys hanging out with their girlfriends, swiping, and like going through all these photos of girls, yeah. like I think that's cold hearted. That's just like a physical, I'm looking at a picture and deciding whether I think this person's worth it or not. Yeah. That's why like, I would probably approach a respectable dating website, not an app, not a, you know, I'm not tindering probably. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm probably more going to a Christian site that's like, help me because this is something that's really important to me. Not, I want to waste time and do stuff on my phone. I think yeah. it's, well, 
I was just going to say real quick, I think it's kind of sad that, like, a lot of times, like, Tinder or, you know, I guess most dating apps, I guess I would say, like, the very first thing you see is their picture, and that's kind of what you immediately make your assumption about them, Um, you know, I don't know, whether they're wearing a cowboy hat, whether you find them attractive, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you're just kind of, like, making these assumptions, oh, they look athletic, oh, they look country you know or you know or like oh they're physically i find them physically attractive or oh i don't and you're just kind of making these split second assumptions not really knowing them and just like yes no yes no and it's just like like you said i I think it's not really right yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I, I don't know. I guess maybe well, not a wrong takes necessarily. A profile, but, right? Like a website yeah. takes your profile and their profile and tries to give you like these are what we think would be good matches. That's why you pay the money. That's what mm-hmm. does the work. An app, I just I literally that's it. I'm looking at a face. Yeah. Maybe age. Yeah. You know, and nope. You know, yep. Nope. And yeah. what does that even do? Like, does that send them a message? Like someone swipe on right the, on you. It depends on the app. Okay, I just like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say I agree with you. I mean, I think it trains your brain to be somewhat shallow and judgmental. Like, maybe not judgmental, but shallow. Like, the first thing you're deciding if you're even going to give this person a chance is if they are attractive to you. And yeah. that, I don't know. I mean, that's... I guess people will do the same thing if you saw somebody in the classroom, right? And if you're going to go over and talk to them if you think they're, if they think they're cute or whatever. But I don't know. There's to also me, so many editing apps... Yeah, like Facetune is like the number one sold app in the app store. It's like, <laughs> oh gosh, this is Angelina Jolie. Oh my gosh, you don't really look like that. <laughs> well, that kind of brings up a a good point. Um, I wasn't gonna go this deep, but I will now. <laughs> <laughs> with um, you know, things that we see and how they kind of shape our imaginations and you know our assumptions, I guess, of how we think she things should be so with that in like relation to like pornography and really how easy it is to like I was what I was listening to a sermon the other day and um it was about dating and the it was pastor Michael Todd and he was talking about how when he was like a young um young kid really like people had to go to like a store and like purchase like physically purchase like a magazine and like the shame and like discomfort that people would have like picking that out going up to the front of the store you know buying it and leaving you know and how as he grew up and became like a teenager his family started to get internet and when they got internet at his house he you know really fell into just how easy it was to get a hold of like those images and not only images but now videos of you know different things obviously so like with that and like how easy it is to kind of have access to that how do you think that affects relationships affects how you view um, the other gender. I that's a really deep question. And no, it's, it's an excellent, very and layered, important. But... It's an important question because I, I think 
porn destroys God-shaped, healthy view of sexuality. And you make a great point with the sermon that you heard, the accessibility of it. We all literally are walking around with a little computer in our hands and we can watch the most horrific, disgusting thing in the entire world if we just search it, you know, and if we have no accountability there. And so I think you asked about like that dating relationships that maybe misconceptions or whatever. I think a huge misconception, I can only speak, I guess, from, from guys, but I know it's an issue with women too, but like that, that porn doesn't hurt anybody and that porn doesn't, doesn't do anything that it's, that's the secret habit that you can keep it secret easily that you can fall into this sin and not really feel convicted about it till somebody really names it. And then it just, it does so much damage to people's perceptions of sexuality, of people's perceptions of the other gender, of marriage. I have seen marriages destroyed because it started off with porn. That I've also seen marriages work through pornography issues, and that's good, but I've also seen people just enslaved to that, men enslaved to that, and then that leading to other things and other things and other things, and it literally destroying a marriage. And so um, I think one of the hugest tools that Satan uses right now is, and the lies that he tells us is that, 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 that porn is the secret thing that doesn't, infect, that doesn't affect your wife, doesn't affect your girlfriend, doesn't affect your, your, your boyfriend or whatever, that you can live into this and it doesn't affect anything. It affects everything and it affects who you are. It affects how you view sex, that sex within marriage is never ever ever like it is in the movies or it is in any of that crap it is so much better and richer and i don't know how to describe it but it's it's not it's not that and it paints this picture of what sex should be i'm rambling i'm rambling because it's important and because it is it does more damage than people realize and i wish i kind of knew that because I, I kind of have a similar take on technology of the, the sermon you listen to i mean like i got a computer in our house when I was in fifth grade and then internet when I was like seventh or eighth grade. And then like, and then now that people have phones or whatever, it's always accessible unless you have, unless you have taken steps to um, make yourself accountable to what you're watching um, and looking at. So that's yeah, a big deal. It's important. Good or bad metaphor. I was sitting here thinking like pornography is like the McDonald's when you want a steak, you know, and it's like, it's like fast food and it's like the more and the more I eat it, the fatter I get. And I know it's not healthy, but I keep doing it because it's easier, you know, because it's immediately gratifying. I think in this current culture, that's what our biggest struggle is over all things is the inability for delayed gratification. We just want immediate gratification. So if I have this urge or this desire and I think there's a way I can do it without causing anyone harm or myself harm, I'm going to do that. And I think that we don't understand, like, we know the badness of McDonald's food. Yet we still eat it. <coughs> so I think it's similar. We know the damage that pornography can do, but we don't want to admit it. And so we just keep eating it. You know, I'm not saying personally. I'm just saying culturally, we just think that it's okay. And then I think the other part is, is when it doesn't have consequence, right? So when is talking about monitoring software, on all my devices, I have um, Covenant Eyes, which is phenomenal. And it just takes screenshots randomly. Because there's a lot of ways, I mean, everybody's pretty smart you can get around everything, right? But it's a VPN, so 
It just takes screenshots and sends them to my accountability partners, one of which is my wife because I don't want her to ever doubt anything I do. But that, that now for me, again, I'm a perfectionist that doesn't like to do wrong things. So if I know people would see the wrong things I'm going to be doing, I won't do it anymore. And so that's, that's been huge for me. Um, but I think it just, it just cheapens everything. Like you, you view porn, say you view porn a lot when you're younger, but now you're like, I'm over it. I'm going to get married. And now you're yeah, with your spouse and all of a sudden they're not living up to your fantasies because you now, but if, if that didn't happen before, you don't have a fantasy. You just walk into it kind of innocent and like an idiot, which that's a whole nother conversation. But like the physical relationship, when you've been like saving yourself for physical relationship and then you get married, everyone's like, oh, that's rough. And you're like, what does that mean? Like I can kiss her? Yes. You know, so anyways, I just, I don't, I don't want that to be cheapened for anybody. And that's what culture is selling you is this will satisfy you, but it really won't. I think that's like a really interesting point. And I think like the the devil like tries to make us think that like it's only hurting ourselves and we're more okay with doing something if we think it only hurts ourselves um but i mean in reality there's you know human trafficking i mean this is a whole nother issue but human trafficking and you know slavery sex slavery and you know, kidnapping and, you know, people, you know, getting tortured and stuff just all over the world just to produce, you know, content, I guess you could say, um, you know, because, you know, as they say, cash is king. Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's not just hurting yourself and, um, you know, if, if there wasn't such a demand for it, you know, people wouldn't keep doing it. They'd find other ways to make money. And well, yeah. the other part is you get stuck because of shame, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. I say specifically as, as Christians, and I would argue that's probably the majority of your audience is either your friends that know you as a Christian or Christians. And it's like, if you're viewing it and you're stuck in it, don't be, don't just stay stuck in it because of shame. I've had many friends that just really struggled and failed and fell because they couldn't admit it because of shame. Like, I feel like God is better at loving people than we are. So like, that's where you turn to him and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And he's going to, he's going to tell you if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just, and that's what stinks is because you have to tell somebody I'm struggling with this is the only way you can get better through that. But if you want a pure and a holy and a God honoring relationship, any time in your lifespan, that has to happen first. But yeah, I don't want to give Satan much credit, but he's not stupid. And he is this master deceiver, master but that, that, you know, making us do things. And so, I mean, his, his tactic with this, he uses a temptation and the lie that says nobody's going to know that it's this private thing that who cares? Nobody's ever going to find out. And then once you feel that conviction, he then make then he piles on the, the guilt and the defeat and the failure. It's like, well, why would you ever share this? You're a failure. Nobody would ever talk to you. Don't ever talk to you. It's, it's then it's a shame, right? So there's never anything good about it. There's never any time where anybody's looked at porn or done something that's outside of God's will sexually. And they're like, I feel so much better about myself. I mean, you, <laughs> if you're a Christ follower, you have that conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so Satan wants to take that good conviction from God and make you feel like a failure where God says, no, you're not a failure. You messed up and you sinned and you fell short, confess it and, and move on, confess it and repent and move on. Um, but yeah, it is, it, I ramble about it. It's, it's really important and it's something that 
I talk about it a lot in this context because it's so easy to keep hidden. And especially for 20-year-old guys. It, and you said the, the point about money, too. I don't know if this is still a stat, but, like, I think I heard this in a sermon or preached it at some point or whatever. But, like, that porn makes more money than, like, all the major sports mm-hmm. sports leagues combined. Like, all of them. And it's, like, billions and billions and billions of dollars. So, like, somebody's watching it. So, no, but nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. So, I, I guess we'd all agree with, you know, if that's something that you're struggling with, just really, you know, ask God for forgiveness and, you know, re- repent of that and just really find, ask him for the courage to, I don't know, find your closest friends or people that you trust and, and just start an accountability group and just ask them, hey, you know, will you help keep me accountable? Um you know, I've been, this is something that I've been struggling with and it's something that I want to be set free from. So, um, yeah, I mean, like the, the light of Christ illuminates all those dark places where you want to keep sin hidden. And so, yeah, finding a, a brother or a sister in Christ who you trust and who probably is at least tempted by the similar things that you are, um, that is, it's, it's, I would say it's, it's necessary to, to find that especially if you're struggling with it, which I think a lot of people are. Yeah. And that's where we're going to wrap up part one of this session. There will be a part two coming out in a couple days or um, could already be out by the time that you're listening to this. But um, I really hope you enjoyed this and took something from it. And yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let me know by writing a review and subscribing. And if you didn't like it, well, let's just pretend it never happened. Huge thank you to my editor and producer, me. And yeah, I guess I'll catch you on the flip side. Have a great day and stay hot, everyone.